Today we are in the housing the MSA lounge in Brandeis University campus. Uh, have the pleasure of speaking with Sheikh Haroon, Muslim chaplain of Brandeis University. Uh, today is uh, the last Jummah before Ramadan, last Jummah of Sha'ban, Islamic month of Sha'ban. It uh, feels surreal uh, that you know we're only days away of the holy month. Um, how do you feel about like Ramadan, I guess, uh, this upcoming Ramadan? Yeah. Alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah. It's definitely sneaking up on me. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I keep having to remind myself that it's coming up in just a couple of days. Yeah. Alhamdulillah. It's always, I always need Ramadan and it always shows up just in time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, me too. I feel like, you know, like it definitely ramps up my spirituality and like and really want to make sure like my practices are, are in sync and really good for the month. Inshallah. Um, and so, yeah, I guess to introduce myself briefly, I, I'm Muhammad. Uh, I am a fourth year under, undergraduate student at Brandeis University. I'm studying biology and uh, HSP, which stands for Health Society, Health Science Society and Policy, which is basically an interdis- interdisciplinary public health major at Brandeis. Um, I'm a Muslim, uh, I'm also uh, Somalian and uh, Somalian American. And today I have the pleasure, of, like I mentioned earlier, of just interviewing with Sheikh Harun. Um, I wanted to ask first, uh, because we're going to touch upon this a lot throughout the topic of this um, interview and podcast. I wanted to ask, what is the American Society of Islamic Philosophy and Theology? I know we briefly talked about it um, before, but I wanted to know, like, what, the, like, when was it founded, and like, who founded it, and like, what was its principles of why this needed to become an organization, I guess. Alhamdulillah. So, uh, American Society of Islamic Philosophy and Theology, we call it ASIP-T for short, like a sip of tea. And uh, (laughs) so it it was uh, founded in uh, April 2020, I think. That was the beginning of the pandemic, right? Like 2020. So April 2020 is when we officially uh, founded uh, ASIP-T. We had a grant from the Templeton Foundation to to build this uh, society. Um, And it's like the first the first vision for this was to, to basically to bring all students and scholars of Islamic philosophy and theology together to um, to build build a scholarly society um, where we can gather in in conferences and um, uh, other other means of like sort of staying in touch like the working groups that we'll talk about in a bit I hope um, just to there's there's like broad societies for like religious studies and there's societies for like Islamic studies in general or uh, Oriental studies or Middle Eastern studies there's all these different kinds of uh, organizations that are out there that are very broad where people who do Islamic theology and philosophy might um, gather you know for a conference or mm-hmm. present a paper or meet other scholars and students and so on um, but there was not one that was specifically focused on Islamic philosophy and theology so um, this grew out of something called the Journal of Islamic Philosophy, um, where um, myself and uh, the two uh, senior founding editors of uh, Journal of Islamic Philosophy, uh, which we call JIP mm. for short. Um, so Dr. Muhammad Maksud and Brother uh, Muhammad Hussein, the founders of that journal, we held a conference in, in 2019 mm. and at Harvard. It was the first annual Islamic philosophy conference. Wow. And that attracted a lot of attention. People came from all over the world. We had no money to spend on it, or you know, maybe a, a little bit that was donated. But basically, we were able to um, do this international conference at Harvard. Uh, um, and people made their own way to the, to the, to the 
to the, uh, to, to, the to, to the campus. We had mm-hmm. two days of conference papers and so on, wow. um, and that that kind of gave us. We realized like there's people who are interested in this. This like fills a need. There are, um, people want to come together from all around the world and discuss these uh, these topics, present their research, and so on. So with the grant, we applied for the grant, and with the grant, um, we got started formally in 2020 um, in order to bring scholars together. And also, not just it's not just sort of a scholarly society for people to gather and talk, mm. but also um, with an aim towards um, like in, in increasing the, the 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 quality of scholarship and the quantity of scholarship in these topics, uh, in order to engage with contemporary, you know, philosophical and theological issues through the lens of Islamic uh, theology. Wow, that is a very profound answer. Thank you so much. <laughs> uh, I think. Um, in that you mentioned a bit of like how there's a lot of interdisciplinary work going on and scholarly works going on in this uh, uh, this fellowship of scholars um, and community of scholars do you mind touching upon like like examples of works you've seen in the past uh, of like you know when you went to these conferences for example the one at Harvard that you just talked about um, yeah alhamdulillah now we've done a total of four conferences since, oh, nice. since that first one in 2019 mm-hmm. when we got the grant uh, we had funding for, for three conferences the first one on the grant, so the second of the total, like of these four, um, had to be entirely online okay. uh, because of COVID. It, uh, and then the second one was hybrid. The third one was hybrid, but with a lot more people, uh, more people in uh, in, in person. Mm. Anyway, that totals of four, like three on the grant plus the first one in twenty nineteen. Yeah. But um, so with that, we've now we've heard like, um, I mean, well over a hundred papers on so many different topics. Yeah. Um, but um, you know, some of the some of the things that have come up have been really really highly specialized like mm. um do does the conception of uh the definition of fire does that mean that fire exists in the mind and some mm. there's a thing called mental existence they have some really interesting papers on the subject of mental existence um things that are really specific to the discipline of like nitpicky sort of philosophy and theology mm. and others that were like much more focused on issues that uh i think apply to a lot more people so like um papers and presentations on uh, Islamic theology's engagement with uh, the evolution theory, for example, like mm. what are different um, approaches to evolution theory through the lens of Islamic theology. So things that maybe make a little, that are a little bit more of interest to, to um, more people than, you know, does fire exist in the mind when you think about it? And <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So from the really esoteric to the, to the more practical, like a lot of different topics. So. Oh, okay. I can say more. That's yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. JazakAllah khair. I think, because, um, so now, like, you've mentioned funding quite a few times, and uh, a lot of this, um, one could argue, is that it's not possible without any, like, funding. So, do you mind touching upon, like, the, the grants that you talked about and, like, you know, who contributed to that and um, what th- what that process was like? For okay. That's a good question. Yeah. yeah. So, um you know, more than 20 years ago, uh, some friends of mine and myself founded something called the Bukhari Institute. Um, and that was all just, you know, folks your age, yeah. you know, um, maybe a little older, some maybe a little younger, just coming together and volunteering all their time and effort to produce this educational organization that had classes and, you know, seminars and things like that. And that only ta- you can only do that for so long mm-hmm. as, as you get older and your responsibilities grow greater and yeah. your career advances and so on. Um, 
then it, it becomes more more difficult to to do things on a sort of bootstrap model right yeah. um it's a great way to start anything you're passionate about to start from zero and and to build up from there but if you've uh if you've done a number of projects like that and you also have a career and you have a family and these kinds of kinds of things it becomes harder and harder to really realize a vision without without funding and so um the result of that first conference was it attracted the attention of the Templeton Foundation. And um, they saw that we were bringing together scholars from around the world who were dealing with all different types of, uh, of concepts. The Templeton Foundation is interested in funding projects that um, promote the engagement, like the contemporary relevance of religion, like not just Islam, but all, you know, world religions, um, contemporary uh, relevance of religion uh, in engagement with, uh, with science and modernity. Um, so it's uh, so they saw in what we were doing um, a an opportunity uh, to support m predominantly like Muslim scholars um, who are working in the field of theology and philosophy, and then engaging with contemporary questions in philosophy and cosmology and, and these types of things. Um, so we were just very fortunate. We got a small grant. It was called a small grant, which was two hundred thirty-four thousand dollars, which is a ton of money to yeah. me for somebody who's been bootstrapping every project right. ever since ever, ever, you know ever, from every whatever I did before was always you know either zero funding or very you know smaller kind of smaller amounts of funding but that was considered a seed grant to, to build the organization and then uh, so that required um, a lot of back and forth with Templeton sort mm -hmm. of uh, like a pre-proposal and then an invitation to propose and then that that after that, invita that Im invitation to submit a proposal, it was months and months and months and months. I spent an entire yeah. Ramadan full time yeah. uh, writing that proposal. Uh, and, um, and alhamdulillah, it went through. It took a lot of back and forth and a lot of feedback from them. But after, I don't know, maybe six to eight months, alhamdulillah, they accepted it and they, and they funded it. And then this past September, we also got a second grant from them for close to a million dollars to uh, start, uh, like to, to expand all of those uh, projects as well as um, build curriculum development. And so, um, uh, yeah, there's a lot you can do with generosity of like people's time and mm -hmm. effort. And, mm -hmm. and honestly, sometimes it's hard to spend the money that we get because there's a lot of people who like what we're doing and they'll want to do things for free or want to do things for a discount, yeah. uh, which is ironic. <laughs> but um, it can be a challenge sometimes. But uh, uh, in any case, there, it opens up so many more, more possibilities. I can share more about what, what those yeah. possibilities are. Yeah, it's always great to hear because like, I feel like I had experience myself with um, as a research assistant over at Heller, like just trying to figure out how that process of getting funding, we had to get try to get funding from the NIH and like SAMHSA and these different right. organizations. And like we also had to do like an IRB like yeah. application yeah. that pro protocol takes forever and just like it's so meticulous and they yeah. want they want to make sure it's like straight like straight down to its um, core because you want to really make sure you get all the funding you can get and all this funding okay. is very important. Um, so I guess because you know I my I feel like my background with Islamic uh, theology and like I guess like like all this uh, it's so. It's so limited. I feel like uh, I don't know too much other than like you know back back as a kid when I went to Quran school like like there there wasn't really it wasn't really taught like that. I think um, I was gonna ask like what what was your experience like maybe um, if you can touch on how uh, other you know students primarily like not people that they consider themselves as like a novice scholar like is there perhaps like a curriculum in place 
that um you know this uh uh, is it a sept sept ACT ACT that um you know that provides for um mm-hmm. i guess beginners and like other like scholars in the community i guess yeah so like when we first started the first stage of things was to build the scholarly society and it was focused on people like myself and some of the other participants who've been struggling to um like gain sort of a a masterful level of Islamic theology and other sciences like law and, and hadith and tafsir and all that, mm-hmm. but uh, but have been year after year after year continuing to work towards that, but not reaching the levels that people often reach in their early 20s and sometimes even in their late teens that they go through like a traditional madrasa curriculum. Yeah. So it was really about like taking groups of scholars, uh, um, academic scholars, I should say, as well as some like sheikhs and others and, and putting them in conversation with each other so that they could help each other like if i have certain expertise in theology for example somebody else's expertise in hadith mm-hmm. we work together each one teach one was the goal right so uh, it was, it, and it was, but it was first focused on that group of people who were doing that kind of work um and then the second grant um what we, what we realized is that many of us were doing curriculum development at all different levels of curriculum um and so the 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 main focus of the second grant is to is to do um, to develop curriculum I should say curriculum development and deployment right so to have, build partnerships with institutions around the world where English is one or the primary like um, mode of instruction um, and then building curriculum at, for various different le- different levels from like beginner which would basically be like um, like late middle school into high school. Uh, and then intermediate, which could be like college level, graduate, you know, maybe master's level, and then advanced like training scholars. And mm-hmm. so, um, like thinking about like your your experience, like going to Quran school, yeah. um, you probably learned what's considered the fard ayn, the personal obligatory knowledge, how to yeah. pray, how to do your wudu, yeah. um, the details of fasting, the core, like the six core um, uh, articles of faith, and probably a lot of memorization of Quran <laughs> and Tajweed yeah. and the rules of proper recitation. Yeah. But what you often don't learn in those environments is how do you take these teachings and then bring them into the context that you're in today? Like mm. growing up in, in the Boston area, yeah. going to this wherever you went to, to, to high school or you know, you, you were going, going you were exposed to all different kinds of ideas in the classroom and outside. Yeah. Um and often students are not prepared like muslims uh muslim youth are often not prepared uh, nor are the teachers nor many of the imams prepared to deal with the kinds of big questions that we're faced with Mm. um so what we're trying to do is build foundational curriculum that could be used in like after school quran schools or college level you know islamic studies programs um or madrasas in the in the muslim world where they also teach english for example in south india we have a partnership with the university there um, where uh, English is the primary mode of, or one of the modes of instruction, and then to pr- provide certain foundations in that can provide like a philosophy of science, um, a worldview. How do you approach like what is an Islamic worldview so that we can approach uh, questions of cosmology, the origins of the universe, um, how you know the, the nature of causality in the in, in the perceivable universe and the kinds of things you might do in in your science classes but to look at those things through an islamic lens um so what often ends up happening is you learn your islamic studies and then you learn your academic studies right Mm. so a lot of like islamic schools will have like islamic studies class and then academics and that's a bifurcation that's a split that shouldn't happen right Mm -hmm. when we look through the microscope when we look through the telescope 
we're looking at the same thing, which is the creation of Allah. Right? And so your theology, your, your beliefs, and your iman should inform how you look at cause and effect relationships between the things that you see with the naked eye or with the telescope or telescope or with the microscope, yeah. right? Um, so if you have a firm uh, iman-based foundation in, 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 those, in everything that you're doing, or if it's literature or if it's philosophy or if it's um, history, to have an Islamic worldview as you... Um, a Quran and you know a Quranic uh, worldview and a Quranic um, like a interpretation of, of things like history things like science etc mm-hmm. um, it's it's a necessary and underserved uh, sort of subject matter so we're, we're building curriculum at various different levels for various different institutions from you know after school or homeschool kinds of programs to post you know um, seminary post uh, PhD level and everything in between Wow, mashallah. I feel like I feel like a lot of like other Muslims should try to take advantage of this. Like this is like such a very uh like well well organized kind of way of like teaching the basics of our deen and like also how to I guess the application of the deen and theology into our daily practices and our daily lives. Have you um seen any other this be put into practice in other programs throughout the country like do you know ones off the top of your mind that like you can think of because i feel like you know if i ha- when i have children one day inshallah i would inshallah, love to have inshallah. them like probably like dive into all this stuff i think a lot so that was also part of what we were doing we're not trying to create a separate program we're not trying oh, okay. to do like I mean, we're, we're producing material mm-hmm. that's going to be open. A lot of it's going to be open source. So oh, we're just gonna, for the public. So yeah, and provide, like, let's say somebody's building, like, a, is writing a textbook, an Islamic studies textbook or something. Yeah. <clears throat> but they don't have a good chapter on the things that we're specializing in, like epistemology. Uh, how do we come to know it's true? And what are the, the avenues through which we come to know it's true? Mm-hmm. Like, we give them our, our, our chapter, and we say, as long as you don't change it, you can, you can use this for free. You don't have to give us any... Uh, royalties if you're if you're trying to build a business model around your mm-hmm. publications um, so what we're what we're trying to do is support we um, support other curriculum development projects with the specific kind of curriculum stuff that we uh, curriculum materials that we produce oh, and also okay. to collaborate with them right so we uh-huh. have two full-time research specialists who have master's degrees from Zaytuna College and um, one of them also has a, a, a degree, like a jazza from a, a seminary. He's gone through the full Islamic madrasa curriculum. Um, these guys are working full time building this, this curriculum, writing mm-hmm. these articles. So we want to help all these other people that are, that are most of the time in sort of like bootstrap kind of uh, context where they, they don't have enough funding, they don't have enough time, but they've got big dreams and good intentions. Mm-hmm. So one way we felt we could help them was to help them produce materials that they can they can then use and recontent in their own uh, uh, materials i understand now so, yeah okay. so we, we will have a few like acept essays yeah but and some translations that we've produced yeah but the hope is that it'll go beyond our brand mm-hmm. and we would like somebody suggested we call these like white label so the <laughs> idea right so white label meaning like like um the same company might produce the brand name version of like the um uh, aspirin that you take as well as like the cvs brand it might come from the same factory oh, right but their job is to produce the same thing, and then the different brands can put their own kind of branding on them. Ah. So because we don't want to just be in the we don't want to be like competing with other efforts. Mm. Um, I think I'm answering your question. Yeah, you are. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> so the hope is that it'll be it'll be impactful beyond the brand. Um, other institutions that are doing similar work, Zaytuna College is is one. Um, they're training at the at the college and the graduate level. 
Um, I think uh, Yaqeen Institute is doing similar work. They have a think tank as well as things they produce. My I think they're doing sort of varying different levels of um, of materials that they're producing, including some very nice, mashallah, like um, curriculum products that you can like uh, products that you can download for free. Um, so I see some overlap there as well. Um, and uh, you know, we've got partners all around the world doing similar kind of work. And mm. another thing we want to do is by connecting everybody, sort of help to amplify each other's impact um, by sharing resources. And you know, maybe somebody isn't aware that is, uh, Yaqeen has some PDF that could be really beneficial uh, in one of their courses. And Zaytuna is doing some work that maybe somebody at Yaqeen doesn't know about. Or, um, so yeah, so we're trying to connect all these institutions and amplify their impact. Uh, it's kind of like <coughs> a, a bridge. Oh, sorry. No, no, and support them in their work. Yeah, uh, it's like a bridge, I guess, to help out to open resource to like other collaborations of of scholarly work from other institutes to maybe come take the work from um, a sip tea. Yep, a sip tea. I got it right this time. Yeah, <laughs> like um, a, like, sip tea, a, a sip of tea. That's a sip of tea. Just say a sip tea. Yeah, a sip of tea. And then basically, um, oh, that's really cool because I feel like yeah, I, I I think I got a misconception of like what like i guess the curriculum was meant for and like the audience of that um it sounds like the scholars that are um you know doing this type of work um tend to be from either like a master level or phd level background and like they all have this necessary like like years of research experience that um they you know they did their due diligence of you know getting the islamic theology and all that um philosophical work um so I guess my next question I wanted to ask was like, um, I guess, cause this also t- ties in with like the funding, like mm-hmm. the, the number of publications, I guess, tend to, um, you know, signify like how much funding you can get and mm-hmm. stuff like that, at least in other fields. Um, do you mind touching upon like what the t- what type of publications that, um, you know, a sip of tea, a sip of tea, <laughs> uh, provides and like what, um, I guess the type of work you've seen and like have you also published or like maybe talking about your published work sure sure that's that's great um it's good it's great that you're drawing from your experience with those the grant proposals and everything (laughs) you know my pain Uh, (laughs) um yeah so part of the first grant and also the second grant but uh is to you know um it's produced publications in a number of different categories so Mm -hmm. we have the journal of islamic philosophy um which is our uh you know, anonymous, uh, you know, peer-reviewed uh, academic journal, um, and so it's you know meant to function within the context of, of the, um, the 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 academy, right? Um, so we have uh, uh, we let's see, we have like um, on this first grant, I think we yeah we produced three uh, volumes that are uh, in varying stage. One is coming out very soon. The next one's close right behind it. Uh, actually, no, we have five five volumes that have come through that. One of them is going to continue on into the into the new sort of post-grant period. Mm-hmm. Um, but each one of those has like three or four articles in them. It takes a tremendous amount of time to like find peer reviewers, yeah, go back and imagine. forth. It's, it's, yeah, it's, yeah. it's, 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 it's been, process. It's been <laughs> a lot. So we have peer-reviewed uh, articles yeah. uh, in, in the academic journal. Uh, and then I, you know, I published um, uh, a couple of articles, one on, uh, like I, one in a special issue uh, for something um, called, uh, uh, on the on the topic of disputation debate uh, dialectic in the Islamic tradition, um, so that came out in the time period of the of the grant, and I I couldn't have I couldn't have produced that article were it not for the fact that I had 
the time that was provided by the the the, the grant uh, and so on. So um, I have a couple of articles that I've pro- my, I personally produced that will be published uh, elsewhere outside of Journal of Islamic Philosophy. Marshall. I should mention that I'm the so I'm the executive editor of the um, Journal of Islamic Philosophy. So um, so but that so that's all that's been part of this sort of process of of, of, of publication. Mm-hmm. Then we also founded something like an online. Um, journal for Applied Islamic Philosophy and Theology. Mm. So this is part of what we're trying to do is, is break down the barrier between like the academic and the confessional or the academic and the applied. But JIP is still the academic uh, and the applied journal is to, is, to, is to study the same topics with the same sort of academic um, high-level qualifications and, and um, requirements, but uh, to, to allow for uh, a, a sort of insider prescriptive uh, kind of writing, right? Like, mm-hmm. so this is what Islamic theology provides. This is what it says about this particular contemporary issue, right? Like, how do we address, you know, um, the, for example, the concept, like, is the world um, a fine-tuned system? Uh, is, it a me- is it like a mechanical universe? How, do, how does Islamic theology address those kinds of issues? And rather than just describe how like past theologians might have viewed the world, is to actually take Islamic theology and apply it to that question, mm. right? And say like, is there, you know, according to this traditional Islamic theological discipline called kalam, um, must we view the world as consisting of substances and accidents all of which you know you know have they function according to very particular end goals or you know and and um teleological end goals you could say uh or can the world be just the creation of a law that happens to be a big machine right these mm-hmm. are big questions in, in the philosophy of science yeah. um and so that journal the idea is that people can write articles on topics like that or anything else and and prescribe that is to say to say you know here's an answer from within the, the discipline of Islamic theology. So we're trying to create this applied journal as well, um, or a journal of applied theology, of Islamic theology. Um, and then, alhamdulillah, we got recently a, um, it took a lot of time and effort, but we got a, 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 um, a contract with Lockwood Press to have the ACIPT, um series in Islamic philosophy and theology. So we will also be publishing book-length studies on, wow. on the subject so Mashallah. we got a lot going on alhamdulillah <laughs> congrats um I guess uh to as we're waning down in this uh podcast I wanted to I guess ask uh you know I guess for whenever I did research I um we were you know, back in the summer when I was with Columbia we kind of worked in uh these as we're doing data collection we did focus groups which was like basically getting the subjects uh, into these groups where we ask questions um, so we collect our data. Um, I assume, you know, theology and philosophy is much different than that. However, uh, I wanted to ask, uh, and I don't know if there's a connection actually between these two different things, but um, what the, uh, you know, if you can touch on like what working groups are and like perhaps like, you know, spend some time thinking about that because I was interested in like understanding what that's like in terms of like Islamic theology and like you know we've seen like you know for these conferences there's been a lot of collaboration and stuff and these all these different topics uh you know what comes to mind is like the instrumental instrumental sciences and you know uh the the contemporary applications that you talked about so if you can just talk about that a little bit sure sure 
Great. So I, I love I love the connections you're making too. Yeah. So, um, the working groups are were intended to be uh, again that sort of that academics and and religious scholars. So sheikhs, advanced tulab al like advanced you know students of sacred knowledge, uh, academics you know who might not see themselves as working within a an applied religious context, but um, but still many of them having a religious motivation for their and interest in, you know in like that's the study of Islamic theology so we and um, so we, we, we put together different working groups um, some, like one of them for example is specific to people working on Kalam which is a you know, particular kind of approach to Islamic theology another one is people interested in that same subject but we're not committed to it, right? So in the same way, so that was like an insider, a group of Muslim scholars and, and, and academics who study and apply Kalam. Um, and another working group was uh, broader for just academics, regardless of their religious commitments. Um, so that was very diverse. We had you know uh, Christian members, we had uh, Sunni, Shi'i, Ismaili, um, you know, various different kind of uh, um, denominational uh, affiliations maybe some who are non-denominational it was it was basically just open to any academics interested in the study of epistemology which is basically how do we come to know what we know Mm. Um, and so that was like another working group that we had Um, and so those were generally conversational we had a text that it was built around we would read portions of a text study it discuss it we tried to do some um asynchronous commentary on the text through something called uh, hypothesis but it was very hard to get people to log on and basically select text and then put comments on it oh. so we did a little of that but most yeah. of it ended up just being weekly or monthly depending on the group uh, zoom discussions that would often last several hours uh, on the topics in those texts and so those were like discussional but also text-based um, on a particular topic like epistemology the science of how do we know what we know um, and then others more more specific to like you mentioned the instrumental sciences, which means things the study of like logic and debate and philosophy of language. Um, and so we had one working group that grew out of one of the other working groups that was uh, or bo- actually both of those working groups um, that studied one specific text on a topic in logic called the uh, the ten categories, which I I won't get into too yeah. too deeply here. But we over the course of about a, a year, we had one person in Iran, one person, uh, two people in England someone in Turkey, someone in California, someone in Boston, um, all reading these, this, this text by an Iraqi Kurdish uh, scholar named Sheikh Abdul Karim al-Mudaris on this topic. Um, and uh, another one has been specifically on the subject of logic, reading a book by al- Mullah al-Fanari called the Fawaid al-Fanariya ala al-Isaghuji, so it was a commentary on a very popular um, logic text that was used in madrasas for centuries and centuries and centuries. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, we read that for, for close to a year as well. We have a few more, you know, meetings to finish that one up, honestly. Yeah. Uh, and we, that one we read really, like, kind of less as a group, but more as, like, I, I was leading the, the reading of it because I was also doing a translation of it and then a discussion of the, of the content. Um, so that's all kind of practitioners mm-hmm. studying and discussing together which I think is a little different from a focus group, right? Yeah. Um, but one thing we recently started um, was we tried to get a, a group of madrasa students together um, to read through a translation of a text um, that we're, we're working on right now. To, that was a real focus group, was to see like how do they 
you know, how did they respond to like our translations? What kind of terms were they interested in? Okay. We chased most of them away so far, <laughs> but uh, there's still a few lingering, and we're yeah. having some really interesting conversations there. So <clears throat> that was our first effort of like uh, the experience of branching out to an actual focus group. And as we continue to build the, the curriculum, um, we'll be test driving it in different institutions and getting feedback from students. So we'll get to focus groups as we go along. So. Okay. And so I guess just to clarify and see if I'm understanding this correctly, like, uh, do all these uh, different sheikhs, scholars, imams come together periodically, it sounds like, to for these different topics and, like, d basically have this, like, academic discourse about these topics? And then do they just, like, take what they've learned from those meetings and, like, go on to, like, write their own uh, publications and stuff like that within those genres, respective genres? Or yeah, yeah, that's a great, great question. Uh, so uh, some, sorry. You know, I was just going to ask, yeah, if that was the case, because I was just, like, wondering if maybe the publications, um, I assume, like, would arise from these successful working groups and, like, for uh, this organization. But yeah, yeah. Alhamdulillah. So in some cases, we um, got working group members we asked them to like to to um, to write on a particular topic of their choice that related to those topics, and a, a lot of that is going into our you know, our first sort of batch of um, of the applied theology journal. Um, and in other cases, what we do is we just ask people to track the like the impact of the working groups. And so I asked people like you know you, people who get who came like to these these meetings like weekly for a year and a half or monthly for a year or so like did these discussions have any impact on your publication? Mm. And alhamdulillah, like there's, you know, one, one um, scholar put a book out that he, you know, he says was like, uh, those coming to those meetings was like really helpful in, in, uh, in, at least in one of the chapters in that book. Another one, another scholars that came said that, um, you know, there's the, these meetings and then, and then the scholars that she met that she could work with on the side as well really impacted an article she was working on, or maybe it was a chapter in a book, I forget. But we had, you know, a number of people who, who also published articles and books outside of our circle, so outside of the, the Journal of Islamic Philosophy, outside of our applied uh, journal, outside of our, our, our book, uh, you know, um, series, um, that uh, were influenced and inspired and impacted by these working groups. So, and that's, you know, that's the, a big part of the grant is like, it's not just like, what are you gonna do? It's not just, just your outputs, it's also the outcomes, right? So mm. what's the impact? And so we've already been able to trace uh, impact in, in some of the publications and um, also in classrooms. Like, so there's a, a scholar in Indonesia who uh, in his classrooms, he uses our videos that are on the website from the conferences. Um, oh. You know, so because I did some surveying to find out the impact, I wouldn't have yeah. done this otherwise. But yeah. in Indonesia, people are using our videos. In Iran, there's a professor who um, started using uh, like some of the trans, like the, what he learned about like translation of some some of the texts. He's bringing some of that into his classroom. Um, California, there's people taking classes that uh, you know where a lesson might be impacted by having attended one of our logic classes. One of the like the professor attending one of the logic classes or mm -hmm. gatherings. So. Um, we're starting to measure impact, and it's and we're seeing it in publication and also in uh, the classroom as well. So. Mashallah! Wow, not only a domestic <laughs> impact but international. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's, it's really exciting. That's really nice. Um, I guess um, uh, something that a lot of Muslims think about, young Muslims think about, uh, I think, is that um, we tend to go about our day-to-day -day lives not realizing that, like, some of the interactions we have. Um, could have a greater meaning uh, and so I would I guess like are there ways to is there appropriate language I guess is the way to phrase is like 
to um, I guess what type of questions um, that uh, could be asked that are related to philosophy, like questions that derive from Islamic philosophy, or, you know, specifically, um, that like could just basically kind of use to like describe, because I guess like I always think like you know, you know, I in one of our recent events, Islamic and Islam Awareness Week, uh, Masood asked a really good question um, about like free will and and how Allah knows, you know. He's the all-knowing, so Allah Subhanahu wa Taala. So, I, can you just like touch on that a little bit? Yeah. I, yeah. So, so philosophy is a, a, an interesting term. It's not yeah. really a controversial term in in the West. Yeah. Um, uh, but in the Muslim world, falsafa, which is you know the, the same root as philosophy, um, often had like a very narrow sort of uh, application. So the idea was like philosophy was this thing that. Um, a certain group of scholars did that was it grew out of the Aristotelian and the ancient Greek tradition as all that was translated in, into Arabic and brought into the like, from Greek to Syriac to Arabic into the into the Muslim community and it, it brought up a lot of questions that were controversial and also in some ways led to sectarian differences in the Muslim world in the in the first three centuries or so of, of Islam um, and uh, so often, falsafa is, is 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 a bit more distinct, and you're either a big fan of it or you think it's like heretical, depending mm. on how you use the term, right? Yeah. But when we say philosophy in the West, we usually have something broader in mind, and even in like modern American, uh, contemporary American philosophy departments, they don't even a lot of times they don't even teach Aristotle anymore. They put that in the classics department. You're gonna mm. read old books, and among them are books by Aristotle. So what is philosophy is like an important like place to start, and what is theology? Yeah. Um, in Arabic, one of the terms for philosophy is kalam. Sorry, is uh, is uh, falsafa. Another one is hikma, which literally means uh, wisdom. Uh, and the word for theology is often ilm al kalam, the science of kalam, uh, or ilm al tawhid, the science of monotheism. Um, so the overlap between those two terms is that they both ask questions about things like the. Uh, the the things that exist in the universe, the things that are non-existent, like a square circle. Um, <laughs> they ask questions about what is existence. Um, they ask questions like, how do we come to know what we know? Um, what are the channels through which we come to know things? Like the, in, the the mind alone, the senses, uh, divine revelation. Uh, you know, what are the different like ways in which we can come to know the truth? That's called epistemology. Those are questions that are shared between. Uh, philosophy and theology if we have a kind of a more narrow conception of each one um, in general like the way the Islamic philosophers um, defined philosophy was that it was the effort for the human being to to basically understand everything about what exists in the world within the capacity of the human being right so to just to ask questions about everything um, Theology was a bit more narrow. It was it was to address those kinds of questions that were important to one's, uh, you know, religious life and their salvation, right? Um, so, uh, so some of the questions were a bit more like beyond the scope of theology, um, and might have been de deemed as either just interesting but not essential, or in some cases dangerous and or, or a waste of time or something like that. Um, but philosophy also, like there's, there's the natural, like what we would consider the natural sciences today was once a branch of philosophy. Uh, logic was a branch of philosophy. Music was a, a branch of philosophy. To go to a liberal arts college is to, is to go to, you know, the liberal arts were 
um, you know, uh, seven or more like core subjects, um, which some of which we would associate with uh, philosophy, some of which we might um, nowadays consider to be sort of separate topics. Um, so questions like, you know, you know, what did the universe have a beginning? What is the origins of the universe? Is there a creator? Um, if there's a creator, uh, what are like? How do we describe that creator? What is the relationship between that creator and uh, the universe? Did the universe have, have a beginning? Did the creator bring that universe into the beginning, or did, did the creator exist forever and the universe exists forever? These are all kinds of theological questions that people ask. And then what? And since as Muslims, because Allah sent prophets uh, who came with miracles and 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 proofs, and including the Quran. Um, then the question, since we know that there's an afterlife, um, then what is that relationship between the all-knowing, uh, all-knowing God, the all-powerful God, and our having been made accountable for the choices that we make in this life? And so that question of question of destiny and free will enters both into the theological category as well as the philosophical. It's one of those areas where they where they overlap. Um, so with that, you know, I was talking to a sheikh who was at Harvard a couple of sometime last year and I said well we're doing this thing called the American Society of Islamic Philosophy and Theology and I said I'm personally a bit more into the theology side of things <laughs> you know just to indicate my my personal interest and he yeah. said you know yani falsafa kalam nefsashay right so he said you know philosophy kalam they're the same thing <laughs> whereas another and he's from the same tradition as another sheikh that I've studied with where he he's like the hokama they call themselves hokama the wise but they're and he basically says that they're not wise, they're stupid, right? Like he, he, he doesn't like the sort of philosophical, the, the, the philosophy side of the tradition. He's more interested in the theology side, but only in as much as it serves to like, you know, aid people in their spiritual quests. But you can just think of two overlapping circles. Mm -hmm. And there are certain questions that both, um, that are essential to both disciplines. And then maybe you, like you could see like a little bit more overlap that's, um, you know they're not essential, but they're 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 secondary but shared, and then there are certain questions that might be solely in, in the philosophy category and solely in the theology category. So who you know did the universe have a beginning? Did it was there, was there a creator? What are the the attributes of that creator? What can we know about that creator? Um, does that creator does the divine uh, communicate with us? How do we come to know the communication from from the from the creator? Um, what is the nature of prophecy? Um, how do prophets come to know what they know? These are questions that overlap between the two. And in our daily lives, simple questions like the, the questions that you study in science, um, causal relationships between things, trying to determine causal relationships, those used to fall into the category of philosophy. Now they're seen as separate, and philosophy is a more particular department in a university. Mm. But science was a subcategory. Like what we consider the natural sciences now is really a subcategory of philosophy. And also there's the idea of like philosophical underpinnings, right? So when you take a science class, there are certain assumptions about the universe that come from philosophical uh, conversations that happened over centuries um, that define what it means to be scientific in the Western Academy uh, or what something, you know, what is, um, yeah, what is, what, what, whether a question is scientific or uh, an answer is scientific or unscientific. Um, so even when you're studying things like about um, black holes or um, what comes to mind is like energy is neither created nor destroyed or something like that. that yeah, statements, yeah, a, a yeah. statement like that yeah. um, or that a particle, you know, 
it acts like a wave when witness or you know like the, the, whether it's a particle or a wave depends on like how it's being perceived or something mm-hmm. these are these are these are the kinds of things that overlap in like that 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 requires some kind of commitment to the philosophical underpinnings of uh, of contemporary science. Um, string theory is it is it actually scientific? Um, that these are kinds of interesting questions that are starting to come about. Um, so these have theological implications as well. And so a big part of what we're trying to do is hard because not afraid, people don't always agree. These are difficult questions. Yeah. But we're interested in seeing if if we can help to produce a clearly expressed Islamic philosophy of science in a sense, not, not just like sort of ethics in, in medicine or something like that, but an Islamic philosophy of science that, that especially when, when science and contemporary philosophy um, get into these realms that impact theology as well. Because one can take a science class, oh, even in a basic math class, you know, I remember sitting in my, my, my required math class when I was finishing my undergrad yeah. uh, and they had the number line on the, on the, on the board and somebody was asking why, you know, the, the professor said, well, between one and two, there's an infinite number of points. And there was one guy who was like, how can there be? And he was just struggling the, with the question of the infinite. How could you have an infinite number of points? You'll never get from point A, or from, from zero to one, or from one to two on a ruler if there's an infinite number of points. So there must True. be a finite number. Well, what happens to those little finite units? Are they divisible? Are they infinitely divisible, etc.? Mm. These are questions that the theologians ask, the philosophers ask, and they also come into your math classes. And sometimes your, your basic math, uh, your introductory math class might have a philosophical statement like there are an actual infinite number of points between number one and number two on the number line or on the, on, on the ruler. Or you might have a professor who says, no, there's a finite number of points. Um, so, so more likely the difference of opinion or like... It's just crazy. I didn't know like how inter- interdisciplinary philosophy is, and like how it got derived. How everything probably, how everything seems like got derived from philosophy, and like, um, I think in some yeah, in, in some ca- ways, especially in, in the Western ways. Academy, yeah. yeah. And in the Muslim world, there's a different relationship with mm-hmm. what we would call philosophy, yeah. Um, because the re- revealed sciences or the sciences related to revelation mm-hmm. have their own. Um, you know, some of it overlaps with philosophy, the big questions that philosophers ask, and others are are defined by um, the truthfulness of the prophet, peace be upon him. Right. So, so it's nice to hear. I think uh, just to conclude, I wanted to ask like a two part question, and it's kind of they both aren't related, but uh, inshallah, like I could find the right words to explain this. But basically, I wanted to hear first how can um, young american muslims like myself uh basically uh you know get get really uh invested into islamic philosophy and like theology because i feel like all i've been doing is kind of just like focusing on just deen and just like maybe like learning um the islamic texts like the hadith and quran but i haven't really like got into theology and philosophy so i guess that like that's my first part of the question is like how do how do like how can it be like um how can we digest that information how can we navigate that um and is there resources of course at like a sip tea that maybe could provide that um and also i guess the yeah i guess we could just that, that end there yeah, okay so we'll start with that question yeah, yeah. <laughs> so i mean one answer to that would be like a significant amount <clears throat> of what we study and discuss in philosophy or in the- theology, uh, it's not necessary, and maybe even advisable that um, 
a lot of people shouldn't read this stuff because a lot of yeah. it has to do with um, uh, addressing kind of doubts and, and conundrums that like are brought up by philosophers who, uh, you know, there's, there's a whole element of philosophy and then the philosophical theology that many scholars would say, you know, if you have like the, the, the iman and the, and the intelligence and the desire to study these things, and the strength of, you know, like, like it's your, there's some people who should know this material so that they can address the kinds of questions, like the really deep, like nitty gritty kind of questions that people ask. Mm -hmm. Um, But, um, but maybe a a lot of, but that can be, that can bring more harm than good to a lot of people. So there's a whole element of it that where they would just say, it's a specialization that only a few people should, should get into. Usually the people that get into these subjects ask the questions first, look Mm -hmm. for the answers, and then find the philosophers and theologians discussing them, and then start to look for what's convincing to them. Um, but often it's not like it's not the kind of questions that you want to introduce, uh, or to, to people who aren't thinking about them. In some cases, right? But then there's another sort of category of questions that have that are there to um, like to strengthen one's human, and especially when you can take a math class and be told that there's an act, actual infinite number of finite points between. Uh, uh, between zero and one on, on, a, on a ruler or somebody tells you that the universe had no beginning and it's always been around or somebody tells you that the universe wasn't created or it wasn't brought into existence um, or that something can pop into existence out of nothing now the reality is um, a lot of people will go to just sitting in their high school science classes uh, or their college science classes or their college philosophy classes or politics classes etc and be exposed to a lot of these issues and then with that they need to have the tools they need to have the basic critical thinking tools mm-hmm. and so um what i'm very interested in with the work that we're doing is is finding ways to bring those instrumental sciences which are the basically the islamic liberal arts the they they provide the foundational tools for critical thinking uh, and like reading well speaking well and, and reasoning well um and then knowing how to like have conversations with other people debates with other people where the goal is to bring out truth as opposed to like defeat your opponent or something like that mm-hmm. um, so getting those sort of tools and and understanding the far ayn of, of iman um, and uh, and then understanding here's the kinds of challenges you're probably faced with and here are the Islamic solutions um, I think that that there's a lot of material there that is very much worth um, sort of mainstreaming and getting more people exposed to and competent in and so that's what we're interested in and I'm, and I mentioned all that because well, that's what I'm interested in and my colleagues often are interested in well so my, my, my point there is like I don't think that people should be spending a lot of time uh, thinking about mental existence and that, and that sort <laughs> yeah, of stuff um, <laughs> uh, quite stressful yeah yeah and just but if it's something people think about it's yeah. nice to know that there there are some really you know rich and interesting uh, you know discussions of that um, but uh, but things that relate to like um questions that relate to people's iman and to their practice and their ability to like um contribute to society function in society hold on to their faith when people often feel that their faith is under uh, threat and constant attack from so many different uh, areas then uh those topics that are basically the far line that can the personal obligatory beliefs about allah and his messengers and whatever the core points that, that are mentioned in the quran um, and then the, the, the key kind of challenging questions that everybody's going to be faced with most often, having some good like, responses to those and foundations and the tools that allow you to uh, answer those questions, right? To know that a square can't be a circle. Yeah. And so whenever somebody's telling you something that sounds like they're saying a square is a circle, uh, to, to push back on it and say, well, I need a little more 
uh, I need a little more evidence for that and, and to then have the tools to, uh, remain, to remain skeptical until you prove otherwise, I guess. Yeah, yeah. yeah there's a lot of things that <laughs> this idea of being scientific, being modern, etc. Mm. There's a lot of uh, points of that are people accept blindly. Yeah. Um, even though there's often the assumption, there's often that accusation that religious people just blindly accept their, their faith without thinking about it. Mm. Reality is a lot of these um, uh, non-theistic and atheistic and uh, ho- you know hostile sort of philosophical theories have become that have become mainstream at least in certain circles. Mm-hmm. Um, um, that after a while, people just say, "Well, Kant said it," and so we just trust Kant. Or yeah. you know, this is this is what we teach in science class, and everybody knows this is what's scientific and this is what's unscientific, and they don't actually think critically about those points. So yeah. it's worth critically thinking about how can you have an infinite universe like that? You, there's nobody who can prove that that's uh, possible. I mean, it's hard. I, I, I don't believe that anyone can uh, reasonably prove that to be a, a possibility or that the universe popped into existence without a cause. Yeah. Uh, there's certainly nothing rational about that. So Anyway, yeah, I agree. So that's for yeah. <laughs> Well, I think that concludes with this uh, talk. Jazakallah khair for like, um, getting me, I guess, uh, well, I'm well informed now of uh, the ACFT organization and all the works that um, the scholars do um, for that and it sounds like it's an emerging field that is uh, becoming you know more research is coming out every every day and I'm really really excited to see what's next for that inshallah Jazakallah thank you for taking the time to discuss with me and, and yeah. to listen to my lengthy uh, <laughs> musings and responses to your questions no Jazakallah amazing <laughs> questions by the way yeah. Alhamdulillah <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>